Are you ready for the word of the Lord today? I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19 this morning, and I just want to talk to you for just a few minutes on the topic of what the world needs now. What the world needs now. This is what the word of the Lord says. And it says, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Say church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Aren't you glad that word came from God and that no weapon formed against us, the church, is going to prosper today. Amen. Then it goes on to say, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Not only does he tell us we have a promise that the gates of hell is not going to prevail against the mighty church of the living God, he tells us that he's given us authority to live until he comes again. And he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, in our text, we find Jesus and his disciples on a boat nearing a place called Caesarea Philippi. Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? Some answered Elijah, some John the Baptist. Caesarea Philippi was an area associated with idols and rival deities. There was a great temple of white marble built to Caesar, thus the name Caesarea. And Jesus deliberately set himself against the religions and all their splendor and demanded to be compared to them and to give an answer. Can I tell you today that we still serve a God who tells us that you cannot serve God and you cannot serve man for you'll love one and you'll hate the other. We still serve a God that has to be number one and he will set himself high above all the other lesser gods that we make prevalent in our life. But I wonder, are there some people here today who can say, I've tried all that the world has to offer and I have found that Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he's my bright and morning star. Clap your hands if you love him today. Peter gives him an answer and says, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. At that very moment, Jesus makes a declaration a declaration that he's going to start a revolution and that the forces of hell won't stop it. Can I tell you, this isn't a myth. This isn't a fairy tale. This was a precursor to the exact place we are living in this time and in this culture. We live in a twisted state, but we still have a straight-up God. Somebody ought to say amen to that today. It doesn't matter what pop culture tells you. It doesn't matter what people who may seem be to be more educated than you tell you. Some of you have a living testimony that you knew you were dead, you knew you were broken, and what the world needs now is a mighty touch from God and a mighty revival to cause us to take the kingdom to the four corners of the earth. Clap your hands if you love him today. And you know what the world needs now is the mighty church of the living God. You see in this passage, this is the first time the word church is used in your Bible. The concept of church, say church, came directly from the mind and the mouth of Jesus Christ. This didn't come from a person who had an idea for people to get together and have some type of social club. Can I tell you that the church of the living God is more than a meeting place? 
Can I tell you that the church of the living God is more than a card-carrying group of members? Can I tell you that the church of the living God is an outpost of heaven where the power and the glory of God are poured out on infallible, broken people? They are raised up and they go out into a lost world and they reach other people for the cause of Jesus Christ. How many of you want to see your family saved in the last days? How many of you want to see your church expand? What the world needs now is the church. You see this word here. It's called the ecclesia. It means the called out ones. Church is a word that we're all familiar with. You know, I got up this morning thinking that church started here at 8.30 today. And so I was over in the staff house, and I came wandering down here just wanting to see how everything was going. I was praying, and I came in the back, and I saw Pastor Bradley, and I said, hey, what time service start today? He said, it starts at 8 o'clock. And I looked at my watch, and it was 15 till. And so I took off running. If you saw me running up the hill, I was trying to get back to get my wife for church today. We're all familiar with church. Everybody here got up and said, I'm going to church today. We have an idea and a concept of what church should be. And I'm afraid our biggest problem is that we just go to church and haven't learned to become the church. Just going to church is going through the motions. Just going to church is trying to fill and check a box. Just going to church seems like it's paying dues, but something happens when you are grafted into the body. Somebody help me preach right here. You're not just a part of a group or a club. You are a member of the body of Christ and the mighty Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is at the head of this glorious body and can I tell you if God be for us nothing else can come against us can I get a witness in here today somebody that's excited to not just come to a building but to be part of a body clap your hands if you love him today the word that Jesus used was to mean to come out he mentioned nothing about chairs or pews hymns or praise lights and sound systems, or even offering plates. And we have to have all of those. But you know what he did mention? He had an urgency in his voice. I'm afraid that in the last days, some of the churches have lost their urgency. They're simply going through the motions. But Jesus said in John 9 and 4, we must work the works of him who sent us while it is daylight. For night is coming. When no one can work. Let me just tell you, church, if you don't hear anything else I say in this morning service today, I'll just stop by to tell you that Jesus is coming back. The signs of the times are all around us. The world is growing dark, and there is a light. There is a light that is in a city that is set upon the hill. Do you still believe that we are the salt of the earth? We are the light of the world. The church is the mighty lighthouse. They can't get hope from the dope house. They can't get hope from the bar. Room, but do you know we can give it to them here through the power and the presence of the mighty Holy Ghost? The church has not lost its power this morning. Do you know, Jesus was waging war on the kingdom of hell in our text, using the term the gates of hell, using military terms, calling it an outpost. But if you fast forward over 2,000 years to where we are today, can I just preach to you for a minute? The church has become so distracted that it's become disabled. We're called to change the world. But can I tell you, in some places, the world is changing us. 
Sometimes you can't tell the difference between the culture we live in and the church we belong to. Let me give you an illustration. According to Barner Research, about 5% of church attendees live a true Christian life with a biblical worldview. That means in a church the size of about 300 people, only about 15 people are the real deal. Don't look at your neighbor. Help me preach, somebody. And 285 are just simply going through the motions. But I still believe what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2 and 9 when it says, you are, say I am today, a chosen generation. I want you to know something. God chose you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Society may try to confuse you and distract you and divide you, but I come to tell you what David said when he said, I was knit together in my mother's womb before I was ever known by the mighty hand of God. It don't matter how you arrived here. Bless God, you are here today, and you are chosen by God to do great things for God. A royal priesthood, a holy nation his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let me ask you something today. How many of you can remember? I'm not talking about glorify. I'm talking about remember a time where you were so lost and so broken and so undone. A time before the mighty hand of God touched you. I want to tell you, when you have an experience with God, you change from the person you used to be. Being born again is not just a box you check. Being saved is not just a prayer that you say. Jesus told us, go and make disciples. When you have a connection and encounter with Jesus Christ, you do not leave that encounter the same way that you came in. You are grafted in. You are born again. Is anybody happy today that you're born again? Anybody happy today that when you needed God, God reached down and he touched you? Well, when you change, you become a part of the body of Christ. And what the world needs at this hour isn't more philosophy, isn't more smoke and mirrors, isn't more deception. What the world needs now is a body of people who some used to be broke, busted, and disgusted. Some who may have been raised in the church. Some who are black. Some who are white. Some who are poor. Some who have great means. But we all come together under the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ. And we may be misfits, hallelujah, but we used to be sinners. And God has radically changed us. That's what the world needs now. Can I give you three things? Say three things. Number one, the world needs a message. Not just a sermon. Not just a talk. Messages like your pastor preaches to you. Messages from the Word of God. Messages like I'm trying to deliver to you today. The world is tired of hearing False promises that have no power to back them up. Amen me, somebody. The world is tired of hearing what we're going to do and never seeing us do what we say we're going to do. The world needs a true message. Romans 1 and 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. Say everyone. 
that believes to the Jew and also to the Greek. The gospel today is the only message in our spinning world that has hope to back it up. Can I just be frank with you and tell you today that Muhammad does not have it. Confucius died confused, but the only one who is still alive sitting at the right hand of the Father is Jesus Christ, the mighty King of kings and the mighty Lord of lords. I wonder, can somebody give him praise today because he woke you up this morning and started you on your way? We need a message with some power behind it. Jesus said in John 12 and 32, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Look around you today in this early service. There's people from all walks of life, from every corner of this county and maybe beyond, who came together not because of great singing, and you sure have it, not because of a great facility, you sure have it. And certainly not because of the preacher that was preaching today. Do you know what the common denominator is here today? It's not a denomination. Help me preach somebody. The common denominator among us is that we are all children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And at some point in our journey, Jesus found us. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. And he's lifted up in this place today and he draws us from all over. What I wonder, is there somebody in this house today who has a worship you can give him, who has a praise you can give him from down deep inside of yourself? Come on, clap your hands glorify him you're the mighty church of the living God he didn't call you to be timid he didn't call you to be quiet he called you to roar like a lion hallelujah and the world needs to hear your message Acts 1 and 8 says you will receive power say power when the Holy Spirit comes on you Can I just tell you the truth I believe the greatest hour of the church is not behind us I said, it's not behind us. I believe it's in front of us. I believe it's at hand. God's perfect plan was to unleash something in the world called power. But he doesn't want to just unleash it in the four walls of the church. Say amen. He wants you to take it into the marketplace you live in. He wants you to take the message you hear. And he wants you to take it to people who are lost and dying and going to hell. You'll never achieve it without power. You'll never witness to one person effectively without power. You'll never live in front of anybody changed without power. Listen, people, they don't necessarily want to hear a sermon. They want to see a life. People don't necessarily want to go to church. They'll, they want to see church in you before they come to your church. They want to see, do you stand around the water cooler and talk ugly like everybody else does? They want to know, do you get on the gossip and the ridicule and you, you got one foot in and one foot out and you're playing Holy Ghost hokey pokey. No, they want to see somebody who is real and when the pressure is put on them, they are different. Is anybody still different in the house of God? You believe God is who he says he is? That's your message. Let me tell you, there's coming a day when performance will be replaced by demonstration. Theatrics will be replaced by authenticity. 
and religion is going to be replaced by revival. And I believe this is an outpost for this. Right here in Forest, Mississippi, I believe God is going to set this church on a higher level of fire, and he's going to open up the floodgates. Does anybody else believe this today? And he's going to send you from the northeast, south, and the west, those who are hurting, but they need a message. The world needs a message. Not only does the world need a message, number two, the world needs a movement. A message without a movement is a motivational speech. Say amen. Simply, words are not powerful without actions that follow the words. I want to tell you something. If all you ever do is hear a message and never become the message, if all you ever have is a test and you never develop a testimony, help me preach right here then what good are you doing to people that are watching your life? But what God is doing is he's taking the hell that you made it through and the destruction that should have destroyed you and he's flipping the script on the devil and saying, if God be for you, who in the world could ever be against you? What a message your life is preaching. But the message has to have a movement. Acts 2 and 17 says, it shall come to pass in the last days. Meaning something's going to happen. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men's dream dreams. If you skip down to verse 21, it says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, say the Lord, shall be saved. Can I tell you, this isn't an exclusive group that has a fence built around it, that we have to see your credentials when you come in. Can I tell you today that your credentials has already been paid for? All you have to do is come, praise God. He said, come unto me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Cast your care upon him because he cares for you. Anytime the devil tries to tell you you're not qualified, you don't have the credentials, you tell him to go back and look that the blood has been applied and you have access, hallelujah, according to the book of Hebrews, we can come boldly. That's the message. The message is that all qualify for the touch of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's currently many movements with many messages in our culture. I don't have to go down the list. You all know what I mean. Some are left wing. Some are right wing. But you know what I've learned? I've learned that the left wing and the right wing belong to the same bird. Somebody say amen. You better have a standard of truth. You better have something beyond the here and now to stand on. And I just want to tell you, you'll never go wrong by standing on the mighty rock of ages. Does anybody still believe the Bible's right? Does anybody still believe that if Jesus said it, I'm going to stand on it and everybody else can do what they want to do? Listen, in Exodus 17... Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner. He called it Jehovah Nisi. When the enemies of God came against them, they raised a banner. When you raise a banner, you're in a movement. You're a part of something. There's a banner over this church that says, All Seasons Worship Center. There's a banner over our church in Laurel called Ignite Church. But I want to tell you something. Those names do not supersede the banner that all of us come under. 
It is the blood-stained banner, hallelujah, of Jesus Christ. Moses knew that when the enemies of God came against them, not only did they raise his hands and hold his hands up when the Amalekites were trying to destroy his army, you know what happened? They also raised up a banner that said Jehovah Nisi, meaning the Lord is my banner. I want to tell you something. We may traverse through some dark times before Jesus comes back. We may have some confusing and deceitful times before Jesus comes back. But can I tell you, if you'll get in the right camp among the right people underneath the right blood, stained banner we're going to see signs wonders and miracles take place in this last day I want to run under the banner that says Jehovah Nisi today that's the movement I want to be a part of where is the blood-stained banner that says Jesus Christ is king a true Christian movement has proof say proof what's the proof it's a combination of a few things when a real move of God takes place, you're going to see repentance and salvation. People are going to get saved, amen? The Lord's going to add to the church daily. But not only that, you're going to have signs and wonders. And a lot of times we think these things are mutually exclusive. They are not. Let me take you back. The church at its birth was the church at its best. The new movement was running on resurrection fuel. Hallelujah. Men and women heard the clarion call of God to simply go make disciples. Jesus told them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he says, I have commanded you, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to know if the church gets desperate enough, we won't worry about what denomination we belong to. If we get desperate enough, we won't care what church crest you run under. If you're a Christian and you believe Jesus Christ died and rose again, come on somebody, you're my brother, you're my sister, we're in this thing together and we have a mighty movement. Oh yeah, the church needs a message, the gospel, but it needs a church that is moving and not receding and not backing up, but taking new ground for the kingdom. You know, God has strategically placed us in our cities, counties, and communities. And he's given us a mandate to go. He's given us power to carry out the mission. If he's given us a message and he's given us power for a movement, then why aren't we taking cities and communities for the cause of Jesus Christ? I can tell you why. It's because of a word called complacency. Complacency is like your bones become lazy and your spirit becomes deflated. And what the enemy can do, he can cause you to become so discouraged that all you do is go through the motions. But sometimes you have to do what David did on the worst day of his life when he had lost everything. He didn't give up. He didn't give in. You know what he did? He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Can I tell you, on the inside of you, the Holy Ghost is not going to leave you. It's not going to forsake you. You don't have to give up and throw in the towel. When you feel like that you can't go on, all you got to do is dig down, drop that bucket in that well, and let the Holy Ghost fire you up one more time again and cause you to be a part of a mighty movement. Not only do you need a message and a movement, the world needs a church. Say amen. I'm not talking about what the Western world 
has decided church is. I'm talking about a body. I'm talking about connected to Christ. I'm talking about a body that has evidence of repentance, salvation, signs, and wonders. Acts 2 and 46 tells us that the church at its birth looked like this. It says, with one accord, that means together. That didn't mean they was riding in a Honda. That was a dad joke, wasn't it? Just forgive me for that. It says, with one accord, together. They continued to meet daily, praise God, in the temple courts to break bread from house to house, say fellowship, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart. And then after connectivity, the Bible says that they were praising God, having favor with all the people. And don't miss this last part. The Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Can I just tell you that the church is results-based? Somebody say amen. If all we ever have is all we've ever got, we're not carrying out the great commission of Jesus Christ. God laid it on my heart to just come and share with you to don't grab the plow and turn and look back. Don't stop in the middle of your ministry. Don't let down the message that God saved you and pulled you out of darkness. Don't neglect the power, hallelujah, of his presence. March boldly with the body of Christ in these last days and let the Holy Spirit empower you because the world needs a church. What kind of church? I'm coming to a close. He needs a unified church. Come on. There's enough division in the world. He needs people loving each other, coming alongside of each other. The Bible says, let no quarrelsome gossip or division come out of your mouth, but let there be unity among the body of Christ. Not only does he need a unified church, he needs a fellowshipping church. Do you know how encouraging it is when you walk through these doors and people greet you and they make you feel welcome and you see people hugging necks and shaking hands and breaking bread? That's a part of the church's DNA just as much as preaching and altar calls are. Connectivity to the body of Christ. It needs a unified church, a fellowshipping church. It needs a church that worships. I love what my brother said about worship. Worship means something is worthy. Worship means worth-ship. That means that whatever you worship toward is worthy of your adoration. And like they sang, how many of you know, he is worthy of it all. Can you just for a second right now in this place clap your hands, shout hallelujah, and just give him worship this morning. Let me just tell you, the more time we spend in God's presence, the more like Jesus we become. I want you to stand to your feet all over the house today. The world needs a church. The world needs a message. The world needs a movement. The world needs to see somebody change and needs to see power in the presence of a group of people. Hebrews 10 and 23 says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had to hold on? I mean, really hold on. Hold on during adversity. Hold on during trial. and Hold on during suffering. 
Because you had something greater that you were looking to than the season you were going through. That's what the writer says here when he says hold fast. He means hold on with white knuckle tenacity. Hold on like the grip of a lion's mouth. He says, let us consider one another to provoke and love good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is how I want to end this today. You know, I came to preach to you, but I also came to help empower you. God's not finished with this great body of believers. God hasn't even scratched the surface with what he wants to do here at this great church with your pastors, your staff, and this body. Let me ask you today, how many of you got somebody in your life, maybe a friend, a family, a loved one, who needs Jesus? Put your hand up. Be honest. You know they're lost. Can I tell you, you're the connection. You say, I could never reach these people in my life. I have to love them from a distance. The greatest message you'll ever preach to them is the changed life you live in front of them. So I want to end like this today. I want you to just step out of your seat, all of you that will, and gather around this altar as a sign of solidarity. Just come. Come on now, quickly. Just come, and in the first ones, if you'll come all the way up so that there's room for all of those that want to come. I want to pray a prayer of commissioning upon you. I want to pray a prayer of blessing upon you. Look at this great group, this great cloud of witnesses is what Hebrews 12 calls us. Let me just tell you something, church, because that's what we are, amen? This group could radically change, not just your county, not just your city. You could radically change even the state of Mississippi, central Mississippi. But more importantly, you could change your homes, your lives, your communities, your schools, your workplace. How do you do it? You do it with a message. You do it with a movement. You do it with the church. I want you just to raise your hands as a sign of surrender to the Holy Spirit today. And I just want to pray a prayer over you today. Heavenly Father, all of these precious people that are gathered here today are more than just card-carrying members of a church. They are the body of Christ, fitly joined together. Your word tells us that you're the vine and we're the branches. And if we're grafted in to the right vine, we're going to produce good fruit. So today, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit leads, guides, and directs. Start in the home. Spill out into the marketplace. Change lives. God, I pray that you so radically change the lives of these people that this church fills up with people they come in contact with. Their associates, their family, their friends. God, I pray for the person who has a child who's lost. I pray for the grandparent who's praying for their grandchild. I pray for the spouse today 
who longs for their spouse to be in church with them. Dear God, do it. I still believe you're able. I still believe that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I pray that the power of the Holy Ghost rest upon us. Here's what I want you to do, church. Reach over and lay your hand on the person next to you and begin to pray that God empowers them, that God begins to give them a message that turns into a movement that spills over into the marketplace. I declare today over this body that no weapon formed against them is going to prosper. I declare that repentance, restoration, and revival is going to flow in this great body in the mighty name of Jesus. Church, I want you to turn loose and give him the biggest praise that you have given him. Come on. I believe you can do better than that. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people. Now let me ask you in incorrect English, ain't God good? Hadn't he been good to you today? Praise God. Pastor Bradley, I don't know if I'm supposed to turn this back over to you. I want you just to bow your head. I'm going to dismiss you today from this first service. Heavenly Father, today, I want you to touch these people that heard the word. Help them to to be hearers and doers. God, ignite their feet to go out and to be a part of a movement that has a message. In Jesus' name. And the whole church said, shake hands with somebody and be friendly. God bless you.